Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. Always appreciate you guys joining us here on a Saturday morning. Got two of my favorites with me. I've got Osmond Begg and Kevin Broom, both of Bulls Forever, and Kevin of the So Wizards podcast. So, guys, thanks for doing this. And uh, we've got a fun topic for you. Bilal Koulibaly, the only thing I've been excited about for the Wizards in probably 15 years. So, this is huge. Yeah, I, he's he's among the more exciting things I can think of in the recent times. I mean, it's it's been a while. I mean, I think there was a lot of excitement about John Wall, but yeah, let's see, that was since then, probably ago. right. It was thirteen years ago. <clears throat> it also makes me realize how kind of desperate we've been to attach to any young player that we <laughs> like. Hey, Ubre really has it. No, it's like Corey's really nice. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now we see the difference between actual, like actual high level potential and kind of like, Hey, maybe they're a role player. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing what happens when you don't draft guys with the intention of them being role players as their ceiling. So uh, yeah, what, what a pivot <laughs> uh, before we get too far into this, we're brought to you by Stateside vodka and their surfside hard iced teas, hard lemonades, hard peach teas, hard half and halves. I'm an Arnold Palmer guy myself. So that's delicious. And brought to you by bet online. It's your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds line match reports, for baseball, boxing, golf, UFC, tennis, preseason basketball, if you're a sicko, uh, bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place all your wagers, including live betting on your favorite casino and card games. Head to the website or use our um, use your mobile device to sign up today and use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for 50% off your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, just initial reaction here, guys. Like, just as objective as you can be, even though I don't like being objective when it comes to the Wizards. How good has Bilal actually been? Like, are we just getting excited about potential hype, or do you think he's been actually good so far? I'll let Kevin start first. Okay. Uh, I would say he's actually been good. Yeah. You know, he it's let's throw out the 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 Taipans game. Great team name, great uniforms. I I mean I it was it was fun to watch just because you know, watching the Wizards kick anybody's ass is is kind of fun. It might be I the only time I, that happens all year, so I think it would have been fun to even like watch the Wizards play against, you know, how they have those like little league teams play during at halftime, you know, watching them play (laughs) at this point in the calendar, I would have been up for that. Right. So, and this was obviously those guys are better than that. This is one of the things I tried to make sure to write in what I wrote about it was these guys are really good basketball players and um, they're, they're just not NBA level. And there's there's just a difference there and that that's okay. You can be a, really good at something and not be the absolute best. And even the wizards being a bad NBA team are going to be miles better than, than other teams around the world, especially when the other teams are missing like some guys. So mm-hmm. um, that said, so cool. Let's throw that one out. I mean, yes, cool. Bali looked great. Everybody looked great because they were playing against a lesser opponent. So against Charlotte though, he, what he ended up with four steals in a block and I don't think that really captures just how much he disrupted Charlotte's offense. And there were a lot of subtle things I really, really liked 
that he did. I mean, on-ball defense was solid. You know, he's he's going to have to add strength. Obviously, teams are going to attack into his body a lot until he can um, get strong enough to sort of hold his ground. That's fine. He's 19. He's got time to get in the weight room and have some uh, hormones flush through the system and that kind of stuff. Build some it's muscle. HGH, baby. Let's get it going. <laughs> let's not. We don't even need to. Let's let's okay. just let the right. develop. Right. He's, he's all right. <laughs> um, but the thing I liked was really like the off ball and the help stuff. The the things like stepping down, like when there's a pick and roll and he's on the weak side, he was alert enough at 19 years old to, you know, come down to the, you know that elbow to that nail area stop the the penetration and then get back to his man quick mm-hmm. enough. He did some X out close X closeouts, you know, with, with people as well, where he's, you know, anticipates the ball going to the corner and is going there because he knows that the, the, that, that bottom, that low defender is going to come up to his man and he's Xing out. I mean, these are things he's getting their concepts in, you know, NBA concepts. He's got them. He's, he understands them. He's executing them. And that's like, I'm through the moon about that. That's really exciting stuff. And then, on offense, he hasn't been given much to do yet. But in the third quarter, they did give him against uh, Charlotte. They did give him some on-ball reps. They did run some uh, pick and roll for him, and he he didn't. I w- I want to see him now, like turn the corner, get into the lane, get to the rim. I think that's the next step. Put some create some rim pressure. But he did make some passes out of that. He did make some good decisions. He, he also, you know, left. Johnny Davis out to out to dry on that one, but you know he's 19 and he'll learn. So I'm I'm very encouraged by what I've seen so far. What I saw, and it's one game, so but still very encouraged by that. Yeah, I think in summer league you saw glimpses. I think the encouraging thing from summer league was you saw confidence. You didn't see anyone who was overwhelmed. You saw that there were things that he needed to work on. His shot was wasn't very good in summer league, but you weren't worried about it. The form was there. The confidence was there. You could see it wasn't too big for him. So now I think over the past few months, you've seen the growth that's probably occurred. Now that you get into a gym, you kind of get your conditioning up. You kind of work on things that were potential weaknesses over there. And now you're seeing already that growth from just the past two two to three months. And what you're seeing on the floor is you're seeing a player who could do things easier than than most other players on the or all other players on the roster anyone and else we've drafted be, in 15 years and anyone else we drafted like they are you could score but it could be it could be it could look difficult things for him don't look difficult things for him look natural and things aren't too big for him and i think that's the encouraging thing and then you see at his age and i mean you factor in his age you factor in the athleticism probably still growing that's why you think the sky's the limit i had someone um Someone when I was from back when I was uh, writing for Wiz of Oz, Nithin, um, you guys may know him. He had, he told me, look, I think it's not only isolated to us. He was like, hey, look, I see his floor as OG, uh, as OG, but the sky from that's he's like, he called said that's his floor. And I was thinking about it. I was like, yeah, I was like, if he ends up just as OG, I'd be a little disappointed. And that's no slight to OG. I think there's actually legit star potential there. And uh, which is why I kind of asked that, which is why I asked that question yesterday. I was like, hey, between Wall, Beal, Bilal, who like I kind of ranked him like in terms of prospects as Wall, Bilal, Beal. But I could easily see that because of Bilal's size, because of his uh, just because of how, he, you know, his athleticism and all, all how he doesn't dominate the ball. Maybe he could be he could easily leapfrog Wall in some time, you know. 
Yeah, I'm with you guys. Also, if you're watching this on the Twitter stream, uh, if you switch over to the YouTube feed, uh, you can follow along with the chat, send us questions in real time. We'll answer as many of them as we can get through as we're going and as our topical. Uh, the thing I liked most about watching him so far, well, first of all, like it's a preseason game and everyone does the, oh, you can't overreact to one preseason game. I don't think we're overreacting. I think you can tell real things about what a guy's going to do that's going to translate. He may not shoot that well. Like, Everyone remembers Johnny Davis's first G League game last year. He couldn't make a shot. And then game two, I think he went like 11 of 12 or something. And we we're like, oh, it's fixed. But the truth may be somewhere in the middle with Koulibaly in a shot. But like immediately, it's the defensive things. And, and Kevin, I think you used a word uh, here that I, I thought was was pretty good. Or, or maybe I'm interpreting what you said in a certain way. But like the defense looked disciplined already. Like he made the right rotations and things like that. And And I think that's. I'm not going to give Wes any credit for that in in the short term here, but like last year, his coach, Vincent Calais, was the French national team coach, and he coached Metropolitans 92 so that they could coach Wembenyama, and he's since left the program. He was literally just there to coach Wemby for a year and roll on, uh, but that's a guy that coaches high-level defensive teams, and, and you can see that from what Koulibaly is doing already. Yeah. Like The schemes and all those things might not be the same, but this is not some dude coming out of a league where he was a one and done as a college player uh, playing in the MIAC or something. No offense to the MIAC. Love the MIAC. But uh, right. he won't play two, three zone all the time. He yeah, was it, a exactly. Off a defense. Yeah. Bingo. And, and I think that kind of stuff is going to stick. And if he can do this from day one, imagine when they get him used to playing with certain guys who needs to help mm -hmm. certain directions. <laughs> like, what are the little wrinkles they want to put in? We've talked a lot about drafting two way players and, and the offense. He's going to hit some of the shots he made the other night. He's going to miss some of them, but he's going to yeah. be a, a pain in the ass in transition. Like, I, I think this is a dude that contribute uh, right away. And part of what I want to talk about with you guys today is, is how much do we need him to be involved? What's the right amount? All those kinds of things. Um, so, so maybe before we get into that, Kevin, you wrote a piece for Bull Trevor about just like, sort of what's the ideal usage for someone mm -hmm. Um, to eventually translate to stardom. So if you could give a little context on that for anyone who hasn't read it, and they should all go back and read that because Bolts Forever is great and we all write there. But um, just give us the the high-level view here, the takeaways, if, if you don't mind. So I guess the high level is that, and this assumes that there's no significant skill deficiency. So hmm. um, that that's it. So like if, if assuming no significant skills deficiency, more is better. He pile it on the the best players, the guys who turned out the greatest. I'm talking about teenage rookies. What I'm looking at is basically guys who are 18, 19 years old as rookies. Um, high usage, high minutes. Mm. Just get, get him out there, get him the reps, and let trust him to do the work and and teach the hell out of him. You know, yeah. help him learn. I mean, the the gold standard of this is LeBron. He, I mean, LeBron. I realized I'm not comparing the law. Kulabali as hey, prospect. don't be afraid to do it. <laughs> Lean I mean, into I, it, baby. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to be LeBron. For one thing, I mean, LeBron was already like man-sized at 18, right? Yeah, 15. Uh, Malal yeah. is still, I mean, my wife glances at the TV. She's like, do the Wizards have a 12-year-old? I mean, oh, he's 19. <laughs> and he's put on not like that far 20 off. pounds in the last year, too. So, like, this yeah. is bulked up, Bilal, and he's still. Well, I mean, he, yeah, he's bulked up. But, I mean, remember, like, what? Two and a half years ago, three years ago, he was literally like, what, ten inches shorter than he is now? I mean, yeah, he's yeah. he's gonna he's really grown. So um, anyway, it's basically more. LeBron played more than three thousand minutes as a rookie. I think he's the only teenager to do that. 
Um, and I wrote that I think that the Wizards should get the ball 3,000 minutes this season if they can. Um, and I still think that should be a target. I realize it'll probably end up being closer to like 2,000 minutes, mm-hmm. but I would rather go ahead and just play him, you know, get him out there, get, keep him out there as much as he can go. Um, I don't think fitness and energy and stuff like that is going to be a problem. Just get him out there and um, let him let him let him rock. But the other part of it that is the usage. And if you look at the the teenagers who had the highest usage, they're people like LeBron, Kevin Durant, um, like Kobe Bryant. I mean, it's like uh, you, you go down the list. It's like the high usage guys all turn into stars. None of them were efficient as rookies. None of them. And I'm not. I, I wouldn't expect that. Uh, so you shouldn't really worry about efficiency. At this yeah, point. because here's the thing. The Wizards are going to lose anyway, right? And mm-hmm. so pile all the mistakes you can into yeah. a single season, and then you start building on that. Like, the more you can correct now, again, this is assuming he doesn't have some, like, major skills deficiency we we aren't aware of yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, to me, it's like, and I don't see that. When I see him out there, I he look, he can handle the ball with both hands. His shot looks, you know, okay. It's um, you know, hey, handling the ball with both hands seems like you might be taking a shot at someone. <laughs> hey, um, no, no, <laughs> no, I'm not taking a shot. I'm just, I, I, what I would say is that that's the reality. With that's reality, um, right? The, the, the and this is just for context for anyone listening. This is Kevin Broom, father of PPA, saying, ignore the efficiency year one. He has shown he's basically excited enough about the potential that Bilal has shown. That you should just give him the ball regardless of regardless of that. If like efficiency yeah, exactly. be damned, get the minutes, get the experience because it'll pay off more in the long term. Yeah, very much so. And you know, I I think that the the Wizards. I wrote about this the other day in the in my post game about the Charlotte game, and that is that. So possessions are like currency in the NBA, right? I mean, it's like you you have funds a certain number of possessions that you can invest over the course of the season. You can, you can spend it's, it's I think it's in a sense like a wager, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you can, you can make a series of bets and if your bets pay off better than, or your investments pay off better than your opponents, then that, you know, then you win and they lose. Right. So if the wizards spend a lot of their possessions and I, I'm not saying this as like a, a dig at Kyle Kuzma, but if they're, if they spend a bunch on Kyle Kuzma being like minus 12 efficiency relative to average, if, if he's at 30% usage at, and minus 12 efficiency at 28 years old, it's like, what, what's, what is actually the point there? Um, you know, I, I love the idea of having Kuzma there as a sort of a, to, to talk with the guys to sort of show what it's like to be a veteran to, you know, take some of the tough shots and take some of the offensive load. Um, but I think that for the team's future, they would be much smarter to have Koulibaly at 28% usage and Kuzma at like 22, 24, somewhere in there. And, you know, pool at that 25% level or something like that. I, I just, anyway, uh, I'll, I'll give Oz a shot to, uh, to talk now. No, and for reference, just like the Charlotte game, and it's obviously a one-game sample. I'm not going back to the other game because, like you said, against good players, but not not against NBA players. Uh, Bilal's usage was 12.7%. Kyle Kuzma's usage was 37.3%. And Jordan Poole's usage was 29.3%. One interesting thing that I kind of looked, I went back and looked, because the discussion that Matt and I were having with some friends of ours was, what's the ideal role for Bilal? And kind of the argument 
I think we all came to the same conclusion, but at first it was like, hey, well, if he's a 3 and D at first, that's fine. Let him ease in, uh, what have you. And kind of Matt and I's perspective, and Matt, I don't know if I'm like, if I'm, if I'm speaking, let me know. But I thought our perspective was, why are we limiting him to a 3 and D role when there's no reason that he's given us to put him in that box? And also knowing where this franchise is today, there, this is a long-term thing here. This is not a short-term. We're not trying to make the play, and we're not pushing for 35 wins. So there's no reason to put him in that box. And maybe what you, you're, what you said about teenage rookies and usage, we should be mindful of that, or the Wizards organization should be mindful of that, because if you do stick a player in the corner, then that kind of becomes who they are. And then how maybe you're just like a coaching staff or you kind of, you kind of view them in that light. You're not going to just say, okay, year two, year three, here's the ball now. And kind of looking back, Bradley Beal usage of over 20% as a rookie, I think 1800 minutes, a lot of that was injury based. I'm sure I didn't look back at John Walls yet, but I'm sure it was a, it was a high number. He had the ball a lot when he was a rookie. Those are our two best players that we've drafted. Um, um, along with Otto, Otto was a different role, kind of a whole different situation with the hip and when he came along in a different type of role. Uh, but on ball, Beal and Wall were it. They got the ball given to them early and often. And it's kind of like, hey, guys, get out of the way. Like when Wall came in, it was like, we got to get Gil out. We got to make it Wall's team. When Beal came in, Jordan Crawford was playing decently. They were like, hey, we got to get Jordan Crawford out of the way and make this make Brad Beal comfortable knowing that this is his team. He is the shoot. I mean, he is a shooting guard. He has a green light. He does not have to worry about sharing, like, you know, kind of we're going to ride, ride or die with that. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at the third quarter, so Bilal took eight shots against the Hornets. Four of those shots came um, after, I think, Kuzma and, and Poole checked out with about four, five minutes left in the third quarter. Yeah, they really they came ramped him up game. on the back after. They ramped him up in the back after that, which Kevin alluded to earlier. He took four shots in those last five minutes of the third quarter, two three-pointers, a pull-up jump shot, and a layup. I think he missed the layup, made the other three shots. So out of his eight shots, four came in the five minutes without without Kuzma, without Poole on the floor with him. His usage that quarter was 15%. His usage in the first half was 10%. Which one, so which role makes more sense? I think it's, it's well, which one did I say first? The former. He needs to get, he needs to get the ball more. And so how do we go about doing that? How, do, how should Wes Unseld, how should the veterans approach this so that you are really taking advantage of the potential that Bilal is showing right now. On the three and D thing, like I think that's fine. If you want to put him next to pool and Kuzma and the other starters, and that's what you ask of him in, in those situations. Great. I just think you need to also emphasize that there are opportunities for him when only one of those guys is out there or sometimes neither of those guys. And that's when you like really are intentional about, okay, it is now your ball. You have the keys, cook or attempt to cook, whatever, yeah. you know, whatever the outcome may mm-hmm. be there. Like you have to be deliberate about we are going to put him in spots where he can show those full range of things. They're going to do a lot of in-season skill development with him that doesn't always happen with older NBA guys. But like, okay, you worked on a move for the first two months. Like, let's give you a couple opportunities to see if you can employ it in a game. I, I think um the Beal comp in terms of minutes and usage is probably the one I like the most, just given where they came in skill set wise and uh, like wall had to be an on ball guy or he yeah. would provide almost no value. I, I think Koulibaly can do a little bit of both. And and obviously we think of Beal now as like a guy who put on the floor a little bit rookie Beal really not as, as competent as that. And I, I think the one thing 
that I struggle with here a little bit is like the team has said they don't want to rush the development with Koulibaly. To me, you can't rush development. It either, they either develop or they don't. I think Mm -hmm. the wording for them, I would probably push back on is like, I wouldn't force him into too much of a role right away. I, I think confidence is a thing. This guy seems to have a lot of it, but this is a guy that did slowly kind of ramp up over the course of last season. And he showed some things they gave him more to do. He showed some things they gave him more to do. Like, I'm cool with that. So if you do yeah. want to ease in a little bit in terms of the things you ask for him from the beginning of the year, like, that's great. By January, this dude should be starting. He should have the ball a shit ton. Like, we should be letting him ISO on the wing and just figuring out if he can do any of those things. If, if you don't want to start out that way, like, I, I understand some amount of like, you know, like building, um, but some amount, but like, let's, like you said, let's stagger him in so that he gets his few minutes. Right, he gets his right. five You're minutes still giving here. Him those opportunities, yeah. but it, it yeah. isn't just like the expectation is go be prime T Mac from day one. Um, right. Like we're, we're going to well, give this, him some chances. This is part of why I say play him 36 minutes a night. I mean, just get him out there. I mean, if he's yeah. always out there, he's the, the ball will find him. And this is one thing that, is good about Wes Unseld's offensive system. The, the system that he prefers is yes, they do call plays and they do have sets that they run, but there's also some free flow to it mm-hmm. and, and guys can flow into actions. You know, a lot of those like cuts that players get so much praise for that. Those are prescribed. Those are like counters that are built into the offense. So it's everybody is taught that, you know, if they play you this way, it's, you know, like uh, Kispert gets so much praise for it. Part of that is that, when he catches the ball 25 feet from the basket, that's a, that's the, if, if Steph Curry is a three alarm fire, then, then, then Kispert is at least a two alarm, right? I mean, he's, he's a terrific shooter. And so, yes, if somebody is throws him the ball 25 feet from the basket, you know, you're going to overplay. He can, he has opportunities to back cut where um, some other players, like if you like, nobody's going to guard Daniel Gafford so that he can make a back cut. Right. <laughs> so, um, with Koulibaly, I guess some of the question is what what do they envision him being? If they see him as like, okay, he's going to be a high level three and D, you know, go ahead, bark him in the corner, and let him do that. I think that they, but want even then, him. still find out if he could do more. Like rookie yeah. Mikhail Bridges, that's a comp people like. He still yeah. had like spots to try to do more, and now it's paying off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, Scotty Barnes is is a guy. He's the guy who pops up highest on my, you know. Uh, statistical comps hmm. coming out. Um, you know, he, he had a lot of opportunity as a rookie, played a ton of minutes as a rookie. Yeah. And, you know, his second season wasn't quite as good as people hoped, but it was still pretty good, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, it was good enough that Toronto was still investing more uh, responsibility on him. So with Koulibaly, I, I think, yes, one, they should find out. But two, they should also, I think, really be training him and trying to develop him into – uh, a high level offensive player, whether that's a first option guy who's going to use, you know, 28, 30% of possessions at a high level, or whether that's like a, you know, just a second option guy where he's using, you know, 22% or something like that. That that's, you know, you can work that out. You can always dial yeah. guys roll back. And th- the only thing, you know, that I would be concerned about, and it doesn't seem like it would be a concern is that, you know, as a rookie, as 19 years old, he's going to make a lot of mistakes and he's going to get his ass kicked plenty. You know, he's playing against grown men who are absolute at the top of their field, right? And so he will get that. And so 
the question is, is like in terms of his demeanor, you know, Giannis got his ass kicked a lot in his rookie year. Um, and, but Giannis was like, F it. I'm going to work my yeah, ass. He seemed off. to kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm going to get better. And now he's kicking everybody else's ass. Right. So the, the hope would be like with Boal, Kulabali is, you know, is he, is he, what, what's it, what's his demeanor? Does he lose confidence? You don't want that. You, but it doesn't seem like that there's a too much of a risk of that. He's very kind of a calm, cool demeanor at, really yeah. at all steps. So, and that's you when know. you scale it back if you need to, like if he's, if, if it's getting out of control and he just can't do anything right and he's turning the ball all over the place and falling down and okay, then like that's, let's scale back and then we build ourselves back up again. Like it's, they have some real positive guys there, you know, like Joseph Blair is, it's just like relentlessly positive yeah. and not in a bullshit kind of way either. He's just like, he makes that's people feel good, you know? Yeah. And um, so, you know, you can, I think if you treat him like, like a, you know, mature young man and you say to him, okay, you know, you've had a bad, you've had a rough, rough couple of weeks. So, you know, come and sit next to me during this game and I'm going to talk to you and, you know, let's, let's watch and see like, what can you learn? What could you do better? And, and you, you really, you just approach it like you're a teacher. And they're teaching him basketball, NBA basketball. Yeah. I don't think he needs, he does not need the kid gloves that clearly, and I don't mean this as a slight, like players adjust to the NBA differently. Johnny Davis really needed kind of like a year to kind of be like, you know, kind of really be built back up. It's a redshirt year for him, basically. Basically redshirt year, right. I just want to like underscore your point because there's one play uh, from Charlotte game that really stood out to me. And that was in the third quarter. Um, They ran kind of wizards ran kind of a side pick and roll and Charlotte trapped him. Um, They sent two defenders, kind of a blitz sort of situation. It was, it was really a trap and Koulibaly handled that double so smoothly. He just moved the ball before the defenders, the defenders were still on their way to him. And he had already moved the ball. He read it. He he dished it. And I got to be honest, that's better than Beal was handling doubles in his seventh, eighth, ninth season last year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, Beal, it drove me crazy. It's like, how does how does this guy who's been doubled like for the last five years still hold the ball too long and get get actually trapped? Kulabali yeah. was like passed it out, and the Wizards ended up with like a layup on the other side of the court because he passes it out. It's a swing and an easy drive because. The, the defense is overloaded on the side. The, you know, it doesn't seem like you can overload. So anyway, back to your point. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That's a great. And I'll actually, I'll look for that clip and I'll post it from the Bulls Forever, you know, like Bulls Forever Twitter handle later today. Um, like you said, like he doesn't need to be, like there are going to be times this year, like you said, Matt, he's, he will have like a rough stretch and maybe you pull back, maybe you kind of stagger him in, stagger him out a little sooner in a, in a game like that. You're like, hey, are you good? And if he's good, you kind of push him back in later and you kind of manage things like it's a job it's it's the staff's job and i know they know this like it's their job to kind of manage and develop as a c linear's rarely ever just like it's not a clear clear like you know ascension like they're going to be bumps along the load but you want to see the overall pattern be right and like you said if the role is a little more limited now that's fine with this is one pre nba preseason game one other preseason game in um but what you don't want to happen is you don't want to be in December and all of a sudden his usage is still 10%. You know, right. you want that number to be gradually ticking up and you want him to have the opportunities with other teammates because he's cl- clearly shown that he has the on-court awareness, the on-court, on-court skills, 
to this, you know, and not fully developed skills, but at least he has that benchmark skills that needed for this. And he has the athleticism and he has, he has the overall game to handle this. Uh, in the chat, Bruce Knight asked, what about Bilal starting at the two while Tyus comes off the bench? I'm going to take the first crack at that. If you guys don't mind. Uh, I, I think the nice thing that Tyus brings, and I, I'll be honest, like I haven't been wowed so far, but I think part of that is just it's preseason. They're not breaking everything out here. He's probably just been in like, let's feed everybody mode, but that's the thing Tyus will do for you. A good point guard is going to ensure some amount of everybody eats. So there won't be possessions where um, it's a Jordan pool ISO for 25 seconds or Kuzma like going coast to coast three possessions in a row. Like Tyus is your sort of like regulator on the court. And uh, I think you need some amount of that. It doesn't have to be, they start together or whatever. Um, So that's, that's one thing you lose by not having him, in the game here. I also just don't think they're going to do it. I, I think they want to really also find out in the shorter term, if Tyus Jones makes sense for them as a part of this team for the future. I personally kind of don't see it just given the investment in pool that they're likely to make. And that doesn't seem like a starting backcourt to me for, for the long term. but uh, you know, they're, they're just not going to do that to Tyus. Like they didn't, they wouldn't do it to Monte. Like that's not how Wes rolls. He's an old mm-hmm. school kind of, Hey, there's a pecking order in the locker room. He's not going to do that to, to Tyus from an egocentric standpoint. If there's any chance that they want him back next year, because I think he's been the bench, you know, backup point guard or whatever. He wants to be a starter. They want to see if he can be a starter. They want other teams to see if he can be a starter. And I'm not saying you maximize Tyus at the expense of Bilal. I just think that they're going to, again, they're saying they're going to bring Bilal along slowly. I wouldn't be against starting him personally. I just, I don't see him doing it at the expense of, of Tyus. That's my take. Yeah. Also, why not, why not just start him at the three, the three, the three position is open. Cause why Danny, start... okay. This is the year I mean, Danny turns into Luca. We'll, we'll get to that later. I mean, you could easily stagger Danny and make him the first sub. If it's really important and kind of go big, big wing with Bilal, Danny Coos, there are ways to work that out. I mean, there's an open. Danny also has not played the preseason. So, you can't just, you know, he's had that injury. It's it's hard to just say, make him the starter when he's not been available. It just is what it is. Um, kind of also going back to your point about Tyus, they, the, the Monte comp is out there. I think there are a few differences that statistically, I think, I think we'll see it statistically over the course of the season. Tyus pushes the ball. Monte does not like, he kind of like labored up the floor a little bit. I kind of, you know, I, I kind of made it like, would always make the joke that he looks like he had like a parachute strapped to him, you know? And he was like trying to like, he was like, just like laboring to get up, like pushing himself. Ty is kind of, look, he's not getting to the paint, but he advances the ball. Once the ball is inbounded, he's not holding it the whole way up. He's already giving it to the next guy. And then he's kind of moving. It's almost like a, I don't want to call it a Sadoransky, but like a, a different, but it's like the ball is always in constant motion. It's always moving. He's, people want tempo. People want pace. People want this. Pace does not come out of just giving guys the ball letting them sprint up the floor and just shoot pull up threes. It comes out of like, you know, like tempo and all that is going to increase as the ball moves more. And as the ball, it doesn't stick as much. The ball is going to move faster than a person moves. Tyus, I think is a key to that. Now we'll see. He has to prove it out. Jordan pool. Jordan, if you just gave the keys to Jordan pool and Kyle Kuzma, them going ice, like sprinting up going ISO is not going to make us a faster, more dynamic offense. It's going to actually slow the offense down, which is what we saw I think against Charlotte in pieces, there were points where we were down 15 and 10 to 15 points in the third quarter. 
And I remember there was a possession where Kuzma was on the wing. He dribbled the entire possession, shot a 10-foot hook shot. The very next possession, Jordan Poole gets a screen from Gafford, shoots a pull-up three-pointer. That's not how you come back from 15 down. That's how a 15-point deficit becomes a 25-point deficit. So what you really need is you need Tyus to be that kind of calming, calming influence on the floor, at least for now. And if like things evolve and things change from there, great. And then I'm sure things will be changing by the trade deadline. Yeah, I think so. So I, I like this question in part because it gives me a chance to talk a little bit about my theory of positions, which I think has changed somewhat. Yeah, sure. Like um, because of the way teams run offense now, it's virtually every team in the league is running some kind of like read and react offense. It's it's much less of set plays where you have like a traditional point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center kind of kinds of roles. Everything is read and react. Everybody wants decision makers all over the floor. Um, the, the, the Wizards aren't the only team talking about that. That's certainly something OKC has been looking for for a long time. They want d- decision makers. I mean, obviously, Golden State, that's what they were looking for, for Steve Kerr's system. It's There's a lot of reasons for it. One is there's a lot of flexibility. You have counters that are sort of built in. Players uh, get to make plays. They get to think and react and make decisions on the floor. And players like that. <laughs> they they like actually playing basketball and yeah, not just yeah. going point to point um, because that's what's written on the on the chalkboard. So there's that. So anyway, my theory is that with that, you need playmakers. Mike D'Antoni calls it like everyone is a point guard when they have the ball, and that is that everyone is it should be empowered to make decisions to make plays for their teammates or to, to try to score everybody that. So in my, in my way of thinking, there's a, there's guard and that's um, so that would be like for the wizards. So there's guards that would be like traditional one twos, basically guys who aren't big enough to play against. They're, they're not six, 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 seven, they're not on the wing. Right? <laughs> right. And then, so you have guards, then you have wings. And so the guards would be the traditional one, two, the wings would be the two, three, and then you have forwards that are kind of the three fours and then your traditional big man, the five. So for the Wizards, that would be like Tyus Jones and Jordan Poole are guards because um, you, you couldn't play either of them plausibly, say, against, you know, Michael Bridges or Kevin Durant or any of those mm-hmm. guys. Right? You could play Koulibaly. Um, so on the wing, I would say you've got Kispert, Koulibaly. Those guys are wings because um, Kispert, you can't play him at point guard. You can't really play him as a center. Um, Koulibaly. I have him as a wing. The Wizards talk about him playing guard. I'm fine with that. Um, big guards are great. I think that's like a longer term thing for them, right? Yeah. Like for now, he's going to be used as a wing. Yeah. And so if you have a lot of decision making and stuff like that, I'm, here's the thing. He's big enough and apparently skilled enough and his brain works well enough that you could slot him at anywhere from point guard down to down to that traditional small forward. Role. Then, uh, so my next position to forwards, that would be like Kuzma, uh, Avdia, Rui Hachimura, back when he was with the Wizards, he's a forward because you, you can't really match him up against, say, Donovan Mitchell or yeah. um, James Harden or Lillard. You know, you can't match him against those guys. But and then the centers like, you know, Daniel Gafford, uh, Jokic is a center because I mean, he's a center slash point guard. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, but so anyway, that's my theory on position. So w- when we talk about, you know, can he play a shooting guard? Sure. He can play the the off guard and be like a ball handler playmaker. I, I think absolutely he can do that. Um, I think he, Kulubali could even play the one. So um, 
but again, I, I think with the way teams go, I mean, everybody is empowered. Like with the Wizards, you see Kyle Kuzma bringing the ball up uh, for mm-hmm. court, what, probably one out of five possessions. Uh, Jordan Poole brought the ball up. Tyus Jones brought it up. Cool, there's no problem with Cool Bali. Anybody on the team, they want guys who can all grab and go and be yeah. the ones to bring it up and yeah. and start start that. And last season, we saw Avdia frequently leading the break. Um, you know, I don't see more of that this year too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, the only players really who's the only player at this point who's not empowered to sort of grab and go would probably be Daniel Gafford um, yeah. in terms of the regulars, but otherwise. Yeah. And Gallo should not be. I don't know if it's the rust yeah. coming off here, but he looked like the in the office episode where Michael Scott is dribbling, you know, like it's <laughs> that's sort of so, what it looked like when he yeah. had the ball. Uh, yeah. I gotta say, I mean, I I, lo- I love Gallinari. I, yeah. I always enjoyed watching him play. His last year in Atlanta, this was kind of how he looked. Yeah. You know, he can still shoot it mm-hmm. and he still makes plays that you're like, how how does a guy who can't move or doesn't move? Yeah, he's a stiff, but he's he's really skilled and he's really smart. And so he's he's not, I think, going to be a five. But, um, you know, and if he's lost mobility, he's probably lost some mobility from the ACL tear. Mm -hmm. But this is kind of kind of what he was. He wasn't exactly agile his final year there in Atlanta. So Um, I'd say the other guy who can't probably grab and go, Corey, because you have to grab a rebound to be able to get out and transition. So anyways. (laughs) Just letting you all know, you know. <laughs> and you need him to cut off of uh, whoever has the ball. Yes, the cut, what, exactly. What, what the Wizards need Kispert to do is when somebody else is going, is for Kispert to either is basically run to an open spot at the three-point line and just be ready. Yep. Yeah. Like, like I think you said this. He took 10 threes. That's, that's great. I don't care. It doesn't matter that he missed it. Take the 10 threes, you know? Yeah. He was two for 10, but I mean. He's not going to be two for 10 if he keeps shooting 10. Right, yeah, exactly. Nets, he's eight for ten. So yeah, he's just been kind of like notoriously a slow starter. I think even that last year, Gonzaga was really good. Like the percentage wasn't great out of the gate, if I remember correctly. But uh, so so I'm, I'm not worried about him having a couple stinkers, uh, right? Percentage wise, I, 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 I would rather him go ahead and launch the yeah. three than than try to attack the closeout because <laughs> that hasn't been going so well. Yeah. That's actually I and, and look, I didn't have that expectation. I know some people did based off how he closed last season. Oh, maybe he could be a little there's another gear there. And you've seen him when he has attacked closeouts. He basically dribbled either into his own man or dribbled into the defender's chest. And it, it's just not there. Like he's he's kind of projecting as a specialist, and specialists have value. Let's use him as that and help him sp- have him space the floor for our other guys. Yeah, I think really with where the league is going and where this team is going is ultimately the Kispert's value is probably going to be in trade mm-hmm. um, to a team that really, you know, like a high level team, like their, their window is now out. kind of team. Yeah. 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 Like if you could move him to Milwaukee, for example, and pick up some picks or something, I don't know what Milwaukee has. Yeah. Left, left, left. Left. yeah. But if you could do maybe a three team trade where the Wizards <laughs> end up with, with a pick. Uh, yeah. And that's kind of where it's always been like, yeah, he just, his, at a rookie salary with his shooting, he needs to be on a on a contender. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe Swam said in the YouTube chat, um, four of those five threes, four or five of those threes he took um, the other night, he wouldn't have taken last year. And I, I agree with that. And I think that's really been a point of emphasis for them. And that's something that Wes even said in the post game, like we need him to be a volume guy. Yeah, for this team, and 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 that's still something I kind of don't like because they're 
relying so heavily on one guy to solve perimeter shooting, you know, that makes me a little nervous. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this, though. There was one play where Corey tried to attack and close out, and Gafford came to him. I'm like, why are you, like, what? Like, it's like another guy's posting up. Let me bring this guy over and try to set a pick for you or something. Like, this guy's driving to the lane. Let me bring the biggest guy on the court with me. And I think it was Nick Richards at the time. I'm just like... (laughs) That that can't be something anyone has ever taught him. I don't know what he saw there. My, my um, guess is Gafford just didn't notice that he yeah, was driving. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. On this play, I need to go to this spot on the floor no matter what. Uh, one thing I want to shift to here a, a little bit um, is just if this is a factor for you guys at all. We've talked about the amount of minutes we think Bilal should play. Uh, he only played like 55-ish games last year, and... He didn't really play in many of them early. That was, you know, probably 35 of them. He played heavy minutes. This is not a guy that was in sort of that AAU system of development where he was playing four games on a Saturday and five games on a Sunday kind of deal. Uh, Do we worry about um, if we're saying, hey, play 30 minutes out of the gate over the course of 90 games? Is that concern you guys at all, or just hey, this is a young guy? I know, I know the NBA has said now that load management is actually not a thing, and there was never actually a reason to be concerned about it. That's what their new metrics say to back up their stance of not sitting guys. But um, it, it is something I would maybe another reason why I would kind of slowly bring him along and start him at twenty minutes before I'm just saying like here are the keys for a full game. But I'm um, curious if that factors in your guys' thinking at all. I don't, I don't know um, because some of those minutes are going to be kind of low pressure minutes where he's standing in the corner, you know, mm-hmm. especially with the starters. So yes, he might, it's not where he's going to be 30 minutes on ball. So if he's not 30 minutes on ball, those possessions where he's standing in the corner, are they really taking that much out of him? And, and schedule is a little more spread out than it used to be. You don't have as many back to backs. Um, you don't have as many four and five game, uh, four and five nights. So am I as worried about it? No. I mean, look, we could always get to a point too where if he does look like he's finally beating the wear down, do I imagine him playing the last five games of the season? Probably not because he's going to have a lot of minutes by then. And that's going to be when we're looking at like Patrick Baldwin Jr. If he's still on the roster and players like that. So like there are ways to manage it. And so I'm not as worried about it, Kevin. Yeah. So I'm, uh, while you were talking, I'm, I'm just pulling up like how many minutes he played. And so he he played last season twelve hundred. Where was this? There twelve hundred forty six minutes. So that's, I mean that's fine. I I think he needs to ramp up from there. I like I said, you know earlier in the uh, in the in the show, I just think he needs really to to get a lot of minutes. And um, so I would be in favor of him playing basically as much as he can handle. Yeah. And. Yeah with an understanding that at some point he's likely to hit the wall um, and like every rookie does and he'll struggle. And I think it's a good opportunity for him to learn how to play through that because there are going to be times you need to need to do that. Um, I'd rather, like I said, I'd rather him play more, get more reps, get more opportunities, uh, more usage, just more throw it at him. And uh, if there's, if he's showing signs of like stress, if he's, you know, if he's, if he's, lagging physically then i think you you work on some things and you you get the training staff involved and all that kind of kind of stuff but monitor him teach him work with him but i play him yeah also kind of teach him like it'll be good experience i was going to say they need him to become a star you know becoming like a sub all-star 
three and D player, I mean, sure, that would be nice. But if they want to really have something, if they want to build something, they they need him to to grow up and and become a, a, a top ten NBA player. Mm. And he's the the only guy, the only guy on their roster that even has a shot. Yeah. And kind of like why you have a Kuzma, why you kept him is to kind of help show a player like Bilal how to manage yourself through a season, how to get into the weight, when to get into the weight room, when do you need rest, those type of things. So ideally, that's one of the benefits of having a Kyle Kuzma who's been kind of on a full title run as a bit, you know, so like that's where he could, he, the staff, everyone needs to just monitor, but kind of teach him how to get through this. So that he can, he knows how to approach it in the future when they are ready to be more competitive. I think the other thing Kuzma does for you here too uh, is just having been around LeBron and Kuzma himself talks about how great Rondo was for him in learning to yeah. watch film, learning to break things down. And sometimes he doesn't always play; like maybe he's uh, fully broken things down. But at least like being able to talk about what the greats do from that perspective, like you were saying there, Oz, like and and he, you've got Poole who was around Curry and Clay and, yeah. and guys like that. I think that is sort of helpful but the the Kuzma piece specifically this was a very one-dimensional player coming out of college and there's a reason he went where he went this was a stretch big essentially you know like mm-hmm. and he has really um added a bag over time and skill development here like he's one of the bigger skill development wins in the league like again you can kind of question how well he utilizes some of those things <laughs> in game but um yeah. like I wouldn't have trusted him to dribble much as a rookie and, right. And now like he's initiating some offense. Um, so I think if you've got Bilal, there's a, he's a guy that they're going to emphasize actual working on skill development throughout the season too. And and if you're working really hard with him, if the team actually is going to practice this season more than they did last year, and he's doing individual work and he's playing a lot of games, like I, I think Kuzma is another guy that could help you figure out how to manage those kinds of things for him and, and work with him on the side. He's the guy organizing the one-on-one games after practice. Like, yeah. Playing one-on-one against uh, Kuzma and Poole and all those things is going to be huge for somebody. It's going to be huge. Like Cool Bali. Kuz also in the weight room a lot. Take take yeah. Bilal in the weight room with him. Um, yeah, I think Kuz can be a very good influence. I think the one thing I would say is just my old man rants here a little bit. You know, one number no one fashion rant, shows. fashion shows, done. Done with fashion shows, you know? Look, I got my Belichick type, like, you know, little hoodie over here, you know, like there are no fashion shows allowed. Number two, number two, I am so like, look, look, let's get it. We had the big three last year, the big three. Like, let's just, let's cut that, cut that crap out right now. We don't need to name the pool Coos duo. Like forget that they're even a duo. Anything, look, any, look, and this is as a leader, anything that, that, that revolves around this franchise needs, needs to, needs to include Bilal. So if you're naming a duo, Blah better be part of that duo. <laughs> I like it. Hey, so, let's just have a whatever you call a 15 set of people together. Um, yeah. Whatever the version of that is. And we'll call them the Wizards. What a great yeah. name. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> I do think, though, that uh, the official nickname for Bilal Kulabali is the French deflection. I like that. I do like that. Dude. That's good. You know, I've been going with the franchise a lot, you know, just. Um, oh, franchise is good, too. Yeah, that's. Uh, we might have to put that out to a poll, you know. Uh, hey, yeah. that's Personally, a good I don't. One. I don't care about the fashion thing. I mean, if, if they want to do that, I don't, good on Kevin. Them. Go ahead. Just you know, it, and I'm not day two of training it. camp. All right, I'm not going to start on this again. Doing something <laughs> like like being interested in fashion or whatever, you know, means that they're not concentrating on basketball. I think that they can they can do that. That wasn't directed at you, Oz. That was you know, there's a lot of 
oh, I take that as a personal don't do attack. This. You, you need to be working on your game. It's like, you know, <laughs> you can do both. Kobe Bryant had all kinds of interests that he pursued outside of basketball, and he still put in his, you know, sicko work schedule. So, hey, if that had a fashion, if that had a fashion show today, training camp's over probably, you know, I'm totally good with it. It was just day two of camp. But, anyways, I'm not going to go back. <laughs> Need to break up the monotony of the second day. <laughs> They've been working so hard for so long at that point. Uh, it never makes no sense. Asked how important are NBA off seasons for growth compared to in season minutes? They're huge, I and mean, that's where the vast majority of like actual individual skill work happens. However, for these young guys, like when you're a young guy on a veteran team, you are not going to practice a ton. So uh, they have more opportunities during the year. Someone like Koulibaly, they're going to emphasize mid-season skill development for as much as he can handle. And and that thing we just talked about, the one-on-one games, that's something that every good player talks to being huge for them. When we had Gilbert Arenas on the podcast, he talked about the single biggest thing for him turning in the offensive player he did was one-on-one games with Larry Hughes after practice. He's like, if I can pull off a move on Larry it'll work on anybody else in the league. And and he said that when he wasn't playing a lot was the single thing that like helped him continue to get better throughout the year. So Koulibaly and whoever isn't playing a ton, Ryan Rollins would be a good one. Get PBJ out there with them too. Like every one of those guys should just be beating the shit out of each other for an hour after practice mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think both are critical and you know, the, yeah. the big thing with like the, the reason why I talk about him getting so many minutes I mentioned this earlier is give him his ton of minutes and a ton of reps because you basically let him make mistakes early. Mm-hmm. And when it doesn't really matter, the team isn't trying to win. They're not going to win a lot of games this season. So the impact of those mistakes is, isn't as great as they would be say, if you're now trying to ramp up to be in the playoffs to be contending for, you know, to try to make a run to the finals, that kind of stuff. Let him go yeah. ahead and make the mistakes now yeah. and correct him, teach him. And then the off season is a time to work on body skills, all that kind of stuff. It's tough to, to do that completely during the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the coaches are, I, I know they're investing a lot in player development and that kind of stuff. So they're going to have guys that they say will have time to work with players and and there will I mean that's going to be true to a point, but also the coaches really do have a lot of responsibilities during the season, and so so it's like, and the players also have a lot of different responsibilities, a lot of different work requirements that they that they have to put in, and they're you know emphasizing getting rest, all this kind of stuff. So it's give him the reps because it's going to show him exactly what he needs to work on, what kind of player does he want to be. And then, you know, he's going to go off in the offseason. He'll put in the work on his own. Not, and when I say on his own, I don't mean like completely isolated by himself. I just mean he, that's the time to work on individual skills and to work on the fundamentals that he's like, okay, th- this thing, I, defenders beat me this way. How do I beat that? You know, it took Michael Jordan, what, seven years to get to the finals in part because you know, he needed to do that work. He needed he, the work he ultimately needed to do was on his body. He needed to get yeah. strong. Um, you know, magic needed to get stronger as well. Magic also needed to learn how to shoot and that kind of stuff. I mean, it, every player does this, every, every player, every great player. And so both are important is, is I guess what I'm saying. 
One more wrinkle to this with the minutes. Um, this is from Ava Wallace's recent article for the Post. Uh, Unseld said this week that the plan for Koulibaly is to give him, quote, a steady diet of meaningful minutes in games. Love that. I'm trending in the right direction. And then that might happen in either NBA games for the Wizards or G League games for the Go-Go. I do not want to see this guy play one single fucking minute for the Capital City Go-Go this year. <laughs> I, you guys know this. I advocate for the Go-Go as much as anyone mm-hmm. in the Wizards sphere. If he plays one game in a Go-Go jersey this season, I will be pissed. Like, actually pissed. There's no reason for that. Like, absolutely none. You start him every game for the Wizards, I would prefer, to him playing a single second of minute for, you know, for the go-go, unless it's like an injury rehab kind of situation. Yep. He already looks like one of our five best players. <laughs> right. So right. if he's one of our five best players, if not better, why would yeah. he be playing for, for the Cap City? It just doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, so especially like with the stuff that we're talking about, the on-ball on reps, running pick-and-rolls, you know, ISOing, all that kind of stuff. I, I I enjoy the G League, but the G League defenses are not NBA defenses. The, the sophistication isn't there. The, the size and speed of the defenders isn't there. Yeah. And so, okay, he can learn. I think I'm confident that within a pretty short order, he would learn how to successfully run pick and roll in the G League. And then he's going to come up to the NBA and he's going to have to learn how to do it all again. So just He's. I think he's high enough level already. Keep him at the NBA level. Give him yeah. meaningful minutes and lots of reps at the NBA level. Yep, totally agree. Uh, Wes Enseld was also effusive in his praise of Bilal Koulibaly, or as effusive as Wes gets, saying defensively he was very active, he was disciplined. He's going to play with more and more confidence each night. Wow. God, man, I hope he didn't hurt himself. <laughs> uh, just heaping so much praise on his young rookie. Um, uh, just what a just milk toast press conference. Those things are too. like, yeah. just, Hey, we saw some shit. We like what we saw. Like we're stoked for this guy. Can't, you know, like his teammates are talking like, I, I get that like Wes can't blow him up too much, but he looked disciplined is like the single greatest compliment we could give him. Uh, I, I don't know. I just found that a little underwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like coaches like, uh, Michael Malone in Denver who will actually say things. Yeah. And- yeah. And he hypes and his guys up too. I mean, yeah. Oh man, when a reporter asked him like, "Why Thomas Bryant?" You know, they gave up with three second round picks to get Thomas Bryant, and then he wasn't playing. And he's like, "Well, mm. why? Why isn't Thomas Bryant playing?" And he said, "You should go ask Thomas Bryant." Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love that stuff. You know? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, other wrinkle here. Um, I think this was from a Josh Robbins report. Uh, apologies. I'm usually good at shouting out who I stole this from, but I think this was from Josh um, that there were um, Bilal said that multiple French players active and retired like Nick Batum, Evan Fournier, Rudy Gobert, Jan Mahinmi and Kevin Serafin wizards legends have reached out and offered him a lot of ice. And he said Mahinmi and Serafin specifically have been helpful because they are used to the ins and outs of the organization in the Washington area. Does that scare anyone else that we're letting Jan Mahinmi and Kevin Serafin have any <laughs> role in the development of Bilal Bali? Uh, look, Jan, Jan's a pro. He just couldn't play, really. You know, so I'm, like, I'm, you know, I'm mostly kidding. He was a really I good. Know. Film, but yeah, so like, I mean, I I think they're probably advice is who to go to, kind of like how to take care of yourself. Where's good French uh, food? Where's good French? Like, you know, kind of more like how to settle in or kind of what your daily routine should be, those type of things. Yeah. Um, you know, there's been so much turnover that 
in the within the organization within the development staff i mean i'm not sure how much they could really help at this point unless they actually just showed up yeah i you know i'm fine with it they're they're professional basketball players are very good they they have experience and that's the thing too i think just being able to share the experience of you know similar backgrounds and they they're you know they lasted both lasted in the nba for at least a decent amount of time but mahimi especially mm-hmm. um, now I, it's not mahimi's fault really that uh ernie grunfeld and tommy shepherd for some reason decided he was worth so much money it's um i i've i wrote about this a lot at the time but i think it's worth mention reminder that Mahinmi had exactly one season of his career that rated above average in my metric, and that was like nine and nine for Indy. Yeah, but that was the season where yeah. he he the, the Wizards then gave him the money. That was a contract <laughs> year at like what age twenty nine. Yeah, and four the, for sixty four. Three years combined before that rated below replacement level, and um, the Wizards gave him four sixty four. Yeah, which what for in today in the with current cap environment that would probably be closer to what uh, probably twenty five million a year for mm-hmm. four hundred, and so yeah, it hey, let's, let's not get too deep into that. Hey, one, I'm ruin our weekend. I, just, I, I shouldn't have taken us there. Now look uh, with the seraphim <laughs> angle. If you see Bilal shooting left and right hand baby hooks, then we might have an issue. But for now, I think it's fine that they talk. You know what? If he makes them at the rate that Seraphin did, it was like every year you'd hear, oh, Seraphin's leading the league in hook percentage. It's just everything else that was the problem. It. You know, it's just that he turns it over at like half the time before he can get to it. Uh, I think it was Brad Usher who had the tweet, but he compared Bilal Kulbali to, quote, this year's Herb Jones. Uh, Oz, I think you and I both took a little exception to that phraseology. Uh what's the right comp for him? I don't know what it's, it's tough to know what the right comp is. I mean, I get what, and I don't think he like it. Anyone who says that is not, it's not meant as a slight. It's not meant as, and even Herb Jones is a good player, but it's meant as, Hey, this is a defensive, a great defensive player. And kind of what we're saying is their flash is a Bilal being a great two-way player. Mm. So, so uh, what you want to, and maybe it's a little hypersensitivity to it. You don't want to put, you know, don't don't pull a, put Bilal in a box. Don't don't limit him to just one side of the ball because he has shown that those limits aren't there on the other side of the ball. Also, so let's just see what he could do. Kevin, yeah, I mean, I'm Scotty Barnes. Right? I'm sorry, I missed that. Oh, you missed you mentioned Scotty Barnes too. I was just going to see if you had another comp beyond that. Yeah, so I mean, I just pulled up uh, Yoda, and uh, I'm looking at the comps for for, and I've got Scotty Barnes is the guy who who pops up first. Um, Jonathan Isaac is another one who pops up. Derek Favors, who is a big man, <laughs> which is kind of a weird comp. All the block shots, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is Derek Favors uh, from, you know, in college. Okay. And uh, so as I look at the numbers on a per minute basis, yeah, there, there's some differences. I mean, Favors had almost twice as many rebounds, but it's uh, weird. Um, anyway, and then Beal is a, is a guy who showed up as well. Brandon Ingram shows up. So, I mean, there's some really good players up there. And I, I mean, I think probably the closest one is Scotty Barnes in terms of how he moves. Like, mm-hmm. what he, who reminds me of is Scotty Pippen, different Scotty. I think the reaction to those type of Herb Jones comparisons is like, hey, nobody puts baby in a corner, you know? You 
if I were personally going to put him in a corner, uh, a more reasonable corner to put him in for me is Jaden McDaniels. That was the guy last year that I thought was the single best perimeter defender that I saw all season. And and he just like stifled guys. And I think Koulibaly can probably do that maybe as early as this year from what we've seen. Uh, you know, maybe he slows down over the course of the year or guys counter stuff that he, you know, like it, maybe that devolves a little bit, but yeah, McDaniels also has a lot of offensive upside too. that, you know, given the team he's on hasn't shown as much, but it's there. Mm-hmm. Like cool. Bali looks like last year's McDaniels by next year. It, it wouldn't shock me. Um, and, and not that he can't get more, but McDaniels also young enough and has the offensive ceiling where it's like, I don't think Herb Jones is ever going to be a high level offensive player at any point. Yeah. Yeah. I think Herb, Herb, like you say, I think he's much more of that defensive role player. Yeah. He, I think Herb is m- much closer to like where Bruce Brown is going to be, where mm-hmm. it's a little more of jack of all. You can plug him in at a lot yeah. of different positions. All yeah. teams like a guy like that, but yeah. he's not running. And I think Bob right. is, I, I'm hopefully he, he should be both a very good defender and uh, the, the hope would be that he's a driver of a high level offense as well. Yeah, Brandon so Paul George. on offense or something. Or Paul, Paul George, George, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Any any short any comp short of KD is just a fucking offensive <laughs> at this point, and I won't stand for it. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh I just want to take the hype to a crazy level here. Can this guy make an all defensive team someday? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thought you were gonna say I, I thought you were I thought you meant this year. All defense this year. And yeah. I, I would, I would, I, I would take an all-rookie first team this year. That's for sure. Yeah, um, I think that he has a chance of of being like up there with as you know one of the top two, three rookies of this this class, draft class. He's yeah. he's I, really good. I mean, you know, we talked about him a lot as a as a prospect um, leading up to the draft, and I think I had him fifth overall on my board at the end. And uh, you know, he's he's. He has potential to be a, a really outstanding player. The next time I tweet something like, hey, I loved Denny's defense tonight, uh, but I really wish he had made a couple more perimeter shots and someone tells me that I'm negative, I'm going to send them this episode. You guys can all fuck off. We're happy to be optimistic, hope-domistic, whatever, yeah. when guys show you enough flashes of crazy upside. And, and I'm just making the Denny one as an example because those are the people that usually shit on me the most. But I love to be like positive about the Wizards. I'm I've been saying hammer the over. I still think even what we saw last night, they couldn't make a shot and they still came back and won a preseason game. Like that's great. Um, you know, I'm not saying they're gonna make the six seed or some crazy shit like that, but uh twenty seven wins still seems like a doable thing for me with this team over the course of the year. So we'll see. Yeah, I think that they're still probably gonna I haven't finished my my forecast for the season. I'm guessing that it'll be right around the over under, and I I think if I were betting, which I don't do, but if I were betting, I would probably take the under in part because I think they're trying. They, they How don't do I kick Kevin out of this room right now. We're going the wrong <laughs> way here. I mean, I, here's the thing. I think that they're they're going to be making some trades. Yeah, that, that that's the difference. Yeah. Right? Moving some guys, I think like Delon Wright is yeah. likely to be traded. I I wouldn't be shocked if they trade Kuzma. I suspect Poole will be around for the rest of the season. Tyus Jones might make it through the year. But the, the, a lot of the veteran guys, Muscala, uh, Gallinari, um, who else? I mean, I think that, that a lot of those yeah. guys could get traded. I wouldn't be surprised if they tra- ended up trading Avdia. I wouldn't be surprised if they traded Kispert. I wouldn't be surprised if they traded Gafford. I mean, I, I really yeah. think that if you're being like really 
ruthless in your analysis. Yeah, be so yeah. Who do you who do you need? Like who is a real building block for a potential championship team? The truth is like none of them. Not, not many. You know, this, there are Johnny guys Davis, who, baby. You're too Johnny Davis. Yeah. I mean, there are guys who I think can play roles, um, sure. but you can get those kinds of role players. The, the thing that they need are the assets to get that potential elite player to, to, cause you need two or three of those guys at least, right. To, um, to get there. Or you need like, you need like a top 10 and then like two top thirties, right. Uh, you know, to, to get there, or you need two top 10 guys like, you know, the, the uh, LeBron AD Lakers. So, um, so anyway, that's, that's kind of where, where I would fall on this is if I'm, if I was sitting there in like working with Will Dawkins on this, I would, that's one of the things that I would be saying is look, there's, there's nobody here who is vital to a championship. And so if that's the goal, you got to be willing to move all of them, any of them. Uh, Merle Garrett in the chat said they need to draft a center bad. Uh, I'm firmly in the don't draft a center unless he's like a generational center kind of guy in the first couple picks. Um, so whoever you think that is, if there's an elite big and you want to take him in the top five, I'm all for it. If you somehow end up with the 11th pick, I, I just wouldn't take any of those guys personally. And I think you can get enough serviceable guys in the short term and then find a free agent big or whatever. The, just the value of that position is, is sort of not the same, but I, I do agree that it's going to make it tough this year with the center rotation they had. Like I actually thought, um, I don't know, for whatever reason, Nick Richards seems to just abuse Daniel Gafford all the time anyway, but that was an especially uh, concerning performance for me from Gafford. Like, I don't know why we gave him four or five post-ups too. That was just bizarre. Odd. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like Mascala was better to me um, in, in mm-hmm. the center minutes than, than Gafford was, unfortunately. And Matt's not just saying that because Bob Mascala is watching. You out there, Bob? Ah, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you guys thought of that. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think in terms of you can, I think you can find guys who do what Gafford does. That sort of rim running, uh, you know, theoretically at least, rim protecting, rebounding centers. You can find them typically, like even in the second round. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, if you can pick a Jokic in the top, whatever, wherever you can get him, you get him. He was a second round pick. Um, it's. When I retrodicted, you know, retroactively ran him through Yoda. By the way, he came out with a top five grade. So there you go. Um, mm-hmm. He just got underdrafted because he was a pudgy, <laughs> soft body, small effect. Yeah. So, yeah. You, you might be able to put Gaff in the same bucket as Corey. Reasonable contract for a, a contender that needs yeah. a 20 minute per game kind of vertical spacer, like lob threat, shot blocker. That mm-hmm. might be the where he belongs, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it never makes no sense in the chat said if Klingon can shoot, that could be fun. Donovan Klingon out of UConn, sophomore this year. Um, Kevin, I think you're going to enjoy him Yoda wise because uh, I know he's a dude who in limited produ- or limited minutes last year had insane production to the point where they kind of ran out uh, Dominus Sinogo, their starting center. So that'll be interesting to follow for all of us. Uh, guys, before we get out of here, any parting thoughts, shots, anything you want to get off your chest before we close out? Okay. Uh, no, man. You know, like, I don't, you know, it's, we, we seem to be playing less preseason games than anyone else. I don't know if Kevin knows anything, any reason as to why the NBA does that. It just seems that way. Maybe I'm totally off. I'm excited about the season. I'm not really locked in on like, like what Kevin said, they're not player players. The players on this roster are not vital to a title. 
most all of which except for I think Bilal. So really, that's the focus focal point for me going into this season. How are they using him? Is he developing the right way? That's really the only important thing to me, the main important thing right now to me. Um, so what happens with everyone else? You know, they're going to be nice when Poole and Kuzma go crazy, and it's going to be fun. They're going to be nice when they they are terrible, and it's going to be a rough watch, just like kind of like the first half of the Charlotte game. That kind of is what it is. It's not. That's kind of where we had been. It's not where this organization is trying to go. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to try to. That's kind of where how my viewpoint of this season is is going to be. Like, let's see how Bilal is going. Let's see what we get at the trade deadline, and let's look forward to the 2024 draft. And that's yeah, part of what, like, that's what we all wanted. That's what we a lot of the Wizards fans wanted. This they wanted a rebuild. They wanted this is what we're getting now. So it's time to buckle up. It's going to be a long ride. <laughs> I'd love for them to make some deals with actually bring back some real first round picks, you know, just, yes. yeah, we don't gosh. need nine more second round picks. Just we do I, need I, some, I can yeah. turn some of those into a for late first type of thing, but still uh, let's see if, let's see if Dawkins can actually generate some firsts. And I think like DeLon Wright, Tyus Jones, um, some of those guys, uh, Kuzma should get you back a first, you know, those, those they should be able to get some assets. Um, especially if they're taking back some contracts that teams don't want. Yeah, and I agree there because we still have that pick that's owed to New York. Now, given where the team is, I'm not as worried about it conveying maybe until two years down the road. Maybe the 2026 season is when you have to really manage it when it's top eight protected only. 20, 20, oh, is, is that the last year? Because after that, it turns into two seconds. Two seconds. Right? So it's top 12 protected this year, then top 10, then top eight, and then it becomes two second round picks. So I think the real kind of where if if Bilal and if they they bring in some more young talent that last year is where it could be dicey or like you know depending on I think Josh Robbins reported it might not it might be a weird timing with this whole rebuild you know that's just something that has to be managed but as Kevin said we do need to get some first round draft picks in because we haven't added to that added the added to the war chest there like or added to the you know to the cupboard there um and we still owe one so that's something to manage going forward yeah and they've been pretty lucky. I think I think we've seen enough from Bilal to know like they've got a reasonable NBA player on their hands. But yeah. he was a pretty big swing, and sometimes those don't work out. So I advocate for take as many big swings as you can and keep yes. doing this. Like you've already seen the dividends for when it does work out. Give yourself a couple opportunities to whiff just in case um to even things out. But yeah, it just this this should be the blueprint. That kind of guy. Find that in every draft, whoever mm-hmm. that is. I'm not saying they're all gonna be that good, but like that archetype guy. Um it is how I would kind of structure my my draft philosophy if I were them. Yeah. Uh, thanks for everybody listening. Thanks for following along in the chat. Joe Merle uh, never makes no sense. Appreciate you guys like these to be interactive. So if you like the format, I'm gonna see if we can do more of these, especially kind of like post game this year too. Especially when they have noteworthy things to talk about, like Bilal's first 30 point game. We will definitely be doing something after uh, that one, whenever whenever that takes place, or so maybe just when he hits three nine. Yeah, that'd be great. Hey, even if he just gets to 30 points total on the season, that might be worth a, a podcast. Whatever, if that's game seven, I'll still take that. Yeah. Uh, so, guys, thank you for doing this. Thank you for the time. Go follow everybody here. It's great work on Bolt yes, Trevor um, and, and Kevin's work on the So Wizards pod. And uh, we're pre- uh, presented by betonline.ag. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Hit the little notification bell so you get a note when we're going live on these things. And uh, come join us, and we'll catch you all next time.
for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.